Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world, riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Ben to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you as we wrap up our series, What's It Worth?, When's the last time you suffered for someone else? As Christians, we are called to dedicate our lives to the mission of Christ in the world around us. Suffering and sacrifice will naturally arise when we immerse ourselves in the lives of others. Will we shy away from this discomfort, or will we embrace the suffering for the benefit of those around us as our Savior Jesus Christ did? Then he said, Genesis 22, 2, Take your son, your only one, whom you love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And now he comes to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, whom you love. And by the way, Abraham, I love my son. And what you will do now, I will finish on that day. You won't have to finish now, but you got to learn how much I love you. Take your son, your only son, and go forth to the land of Moriah and offer him up as a burnt offering on the mountain which I will show you. And then Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and put it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire, and the knife. So the two of them walked together. The son is carrying the wood, which Jesus would complete by carrying the cross on the same mountain, Calvary. And the son says, Father, I see the, I see the wood. I see, I see the fire. Where's the sacrifice? Here's the lesson. When you see God preparing the wood and he gives you the means of the fire, don't ask him what the sacrifice is because that's you. Not the ultimate sacrifice, but for that day and that time and that season and those people, God has called you to die for there's no other way to live. That's so hard to comprehend when we're so stingy with our time and our resources. We're stingy in our prayers, in what we give the Lord. We give what we think we have over too much of, or we give Him what is left over. When God says, no, I gave my son completely a sacrifice of innocence. That lamb was a treasured offering. It was a sacrifice of faith, Exodus 12, 5. Your lamb shall be a male without blemish, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Keep it in your house. Let the kids pet it. Let them play with it. Let it become part of you because it's going to hurt. Interesting how we don't have the strength to watch a movie like The Passion. And I'm not judging or saying anything, but the reason most people say they won't watch The Passion is because they say it's too real and graphic. But you have no idea that that movie doesn't touch the reality just yet of what they did to Jesus. We're sterile Christians. We want to be whisked away. Ah, the cross looks good from the distance. But for the Son of God, the one thing which may not be factual, maybe a poetic inspiration within that movie, The Passion, where the Lord falls down and as He's trying to get back up, He's actually embracing that cross. Interesting mindset, interesting picture. 
take this little lamb. Moreover, they shall take, take the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel that shall slaughter it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. And they shall eat the flesh that night and roast it with fire. And they shall eat it with their unleavened bread and bitter herbs. When Jesus says that you've got to eat my body and drink my blood, he went right back to that prophecy. Meaning you've got to accept. You've got to receive. You've got to believe. You've got to choose to live all that I am. And I wonder if when the Pharisee says this teaching is too harsh for us. I don't know if they were thinking about the literal eating of the fleshes or they were reacting like Nicodemus. How can an old man be born again? I can't change what I believe. I embrace what I believe. I've been taught what I believe. I'm not going to change that where Jesus says unless you're born again and everything changes. You by no means will enter the kingdom of heaven. God has seen, God has planned, God has sprinkled. He has given us glimpses from Genesis to the day of the cross. The plan of how much He loved us. What's the purpose? Because if we're walking in these steps and we understand that it's the smell of death, it's a prophetic perspective of what God has planned to do because He loves us. If we understand that Jesus dying on the cross, the glory of life through death, understanding God's perspective, purview of that sacrifice. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of this ultimate sacrifice? Why did Jesus die on that cross? Romans 6.10 begins to show us, for the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And this contrast and comparison, this transition and transformation later on, we'll look at in a second, where Paul says, listen, I am crucified. But guess what? Because I'm crucified, because I I died, now I realize I'm alive. How does that make sense? That's why Jesus says, follow me. And he doesn't tell them the whole plan at once, because we couldn't grasp it or understand it or carry it. Think of the things that God has taken you through when you are, now you look back as, as you've been redeemed and there's been a transformation. You've been, you've been saved from a situation of life. And you think, man, if God told me He was going to do all that when I was first coming to Him, I would never get it. And so it is with the situation that you're in right now. And that's where by faith, sometimes we know not just walk, but by faith, we wait patiently for the Lord. The purpose, Isaiah 53, 5. 7 and 10. But he was pierced through. Think of that Roman soldier taking the spear just to make sure he's dead so they wouldn't break his bones, just like Scripture prophesied. Takes the spear and drives it through. He is pierced through, says Isaiah 53. He was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our peace fell upon him and by his wounds we are healed just another clarification as i always do when we come here this healing is so much more than the temporary body that we bear it is used out of context so often lord heal me because you are wound for my heels if the lord jesus was wounded just for my temporary here on earth healing 
He's wasting his time because I'm going to die again. We talked about Lazarus. He resurrected him. But guess what? Lazarus had to go through the whole thing again. No, thank you. The healing of the heart. The healing of that sin that has warped our lives and the wounds it left behind. By his wounds, our hearts are healed. Simon, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb. He was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. Why? But Yahweh, verse 10, was pleased to crush him. Do you understand that phrase? It says that God was pleased to crush him. That goes beyond our understanding. He took pleasure in crucifying his own son. He took pleasure putting him to grief. If he should place his soul as a guilt offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of Yahweh will succeed in his hand. Here's a question that rises from this fact. Is God's love for his people greater than the pleasure that he takes in Jesus? So, so the question here has to be, did God love you more than he loved his own son? Because if he loved his son more than he loves you, he would not have caused them to die. The myrrh, the offering that understands that death brings life. Acts 2.23, Peter says, This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. This man, Jesus, God planned before time began. He knew the whole circumstance and the offering of the death of his son. You nailed to a cross by the hands of lawless man and put him to death. God loved you. When we say that God loved you from before the world was, be- was created and before you were formed in the womb of your mother, God loved you so much more that He crushed His own Son so that you would be brought back in fellowship and relationship with Him. But is that the only reason? Did we just buy a ticket to heaven? Sit back, put your seatbelts on, relax, we're going to get there eventually? Is salvation... Just a redemption from fire? Because if you think so, you do not understand the gospel. That redeeming love is a love that keeps on overflowing. Rivers of life will flow from you so that others may drink and find that salvation. Here's the step. This is the pattern. What does it look like? Once you arrived here, you understand His love, His plan, His sacrifice. And you say, yes, Lord, I understand. i got to pick up my cross. And you got to ask the question, so what will it do if I pick up my cross? Here's the pattern of the sacrificial life. He summoned the crowd, Mark 8, 34, with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, yes, Lord, I'll come after you. Yeah, you feed us, you heal us. How could we not want to come after you? And then he wakes him up real quick. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. Your plans, your ideals, your goals, your wants, your dislikes, 
all of these things, they must be denied. What does that mean? Rejected. Ultimately, you must deny yourself. For only after you deny yourself are you able to take up your cross. And the most important part, I think, here besides the word cross is the pronoun his. There's a cross that's been tailored, made just for your shoulder. In God's timing and purpose and place and people in your life. You've got to pick up your cross and only then denial, tailor-made cross for on which I must die, only then. That's the key of being able to follow Him because that's when you'll see Him and understand. Why? For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Don't forget that. Every time you say, oh, I can't do that because I'm going to lose that. Guess what? You're going to lose-lose. Every time you try to save your own life, your way, your principles, whatever they may be outside of Scripture, you will lose. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels, if you lose your life, if you die on that cross daily for the Gospel, you'll save it. That's the promise. That's the faith that comes to fulfillment. And he says, listen, if you don't understand, I'm going to ask you, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous nation and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of Him when He comes in the glory of His Father with His holy angels. Oh, I'll do this. Yes, this is what I can do. But, but no, this I, I cannot do. And you know what? Are you not surprised the Holy Spirit knows exactly that's the one thing that you don't want to give up? And that's the one that is tapping on your shoulder over and over again. One person, one circumstance, one situation. That's exactly what they're honing in on. How do you live a sacrificial life? What will the pattern of your life is? First of all, when you're crucified with Christ, you'll be dead to sin. That's how you get delivered from that sin, whatever it may be. But I discipline my body and make it my slave. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, Paul, I discipline and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. By the way, he's not talking about salvation in that disqualification. He loves the ministry, everything. He does woe is me, he says, if I do not preach the gospel. He, that was everything he was for Christ, the ministry. He says, listen, I've got to treat myself harshly because I don't want to lose the ministry. Not his soul. That's the disqualification he's talking about. Galatians 5.24 Now those who belong to Christ crucify the, ple- the flesh with its passions and desires. If you belong to Jesus, the people in your life should always hear that's you with a hammer in one hand. Knowing how to keep your mouth shut when everything within you wants to just say it all. Knowing how to walk away from when the flesh says, yes, one more time. Go there one more time. Look at that one more time. Knowing how to crucify the flesh through prayer. Reading scripture. Confessing. Surrendering. Lord Jesus, here I am. Take me. I'm falling again. Woe is me. We must be dead to sin. For when that happens, then we're alive to God. 
Romans 6.11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over Him, nor over you. Romans 6, 8 through 9. A life to God when you're dead to sin. And only then you become a co-laborer, a servant, where your life begins to be fulfilled because God is using you and you have a purpose. The purpose of your life is to be alive for others. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'd rather go, says Paul. But if I am to live on the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. God will use me because I'm a liar. I'm dead to the flesh. I'd rather be with him. But listen, I do not know what I will choose. I want to go, but I got to stay. But I'm hard pressed between the two, having the desire to depart, be with Christ, for that will be much better. However, he says, verse 24, Philippians 1, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Because God loves people. God loves your enemies. God loves your brothers and sisters. When you understand how much God loves them, and you say, okay, Father, you love them, I think you're calling me to die to myself, to be free from that sin that entangles my feet, to be set free and have strength so I could live for others. God says, and He pats you on the back, that's exactly what I wanted. Welcome to the team. Working together. You love my people? That thrills my heart. Jesus says, I am here in the words I speak there for my Father, and I do only what the Father sent me to do. So I am teaching you, I am obeying my Father, which is what? To love His own and love them to the end. The point of maturity is when you wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to live to be a blessing to others. I'm going to call someone. I'm going to visit someone. I'm going to give my time to someone. I'm going to reach out because I no longer live for my TV show, my coffee, my getaway. I'm going to spend my time breathing life into other people. What's the gain if I die daily? Galatians 6.14, Paul says, listen, but it may never be that I should boast. I don't want to be proud about anything, talk about anybody else. There's only one thing. I boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Embracing the cross and following the Lord on that cross, there's a joy of this freedom. Number one, enlarged living. That's the abundant life. You get to live large when you truly embrace the cross and you die daily, saying no to yourself and yes to whatever the Lord puts before you in His Word. There's enlarged living. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. But listen, because I'm dead to the sin, now I'm actually truly alive. I can see. So I am alive. No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And I'm back to understanding He gave Himself for me. So now I must understand how to give myself to live for Him. This is abiding in its purest form. Abide in me and I in you. Christ lives in me. Second, when you embrace the cross and you die daily, you will enjoy the church's spiritual growth. 
There's a joy that the Father will give you which you did not know until now when you see people following Christ and getting victory in their own lives. In 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul says, I affirm, brothers, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. My pride in a good way is you. Because I see you loving the Lord, making the decisions to live for Christ. That is my joy. Thirdly, emancipation from the chains of sin. We're dead to sin eternally, but we battle sin here on earth. And when you embrace the cross, you get strength to say no to that sin. Romans 6, 5, For if we become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall be like Him in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Many times we're like the slaves in the South, even though the Emancipation Declaration was given in the South, they were being lied to that they were not free. But some begin to know and believe they were free, and they begin to run away across the border into freedom. We as believers, we're free. Time to live that way. In believing that, Scripture says that we're embraced by the Father. Being set free, living free, embracing the cross. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. A surrender life that says, I will crucify the flesh. I choose to die daily. The praying hands, and I'm reading the history of it, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I got one of these in my office. Yeah, their praying hands remind me to pray. The Lord Jesus prayed. And some of you think these are the, the hands of the Lord Jesus, right? In John 17, praying to the Father. But no, that's not what they are. Many, many years ago, there were two brothers. The Durer brothers. The younger one was Albrecht. Born in a family of 18. Parents didn't have money to barely keep them all sustained with clothing and food. And these young brothers, they wanted to become artists. But the parents didn't have money to, to send one of them to the school. But as the boys grew up and they began to work here and there, they said, listen, we're going to try to make it hard. We're going to help each other. And, and one, one night, they, they, they figured out we're going to toss a coin. And the loser will choose to go and work for four years so I can put the other one to school of art. And then after four years, the one that has been working will stop working, and, and he'll go to school. And the labor they had to go to was a mine. They enrolled as miners, and they flipped the coin. And Albrecht was not the one that lost. He actually was the one that won. So his brother said, okay, I'm going to go to work in the mines and send the money so you go to school. And so it became so. And Albrecht went to school. And it turned out to be he was, he was some kind of a prodigy. He could paint. He could sculpt. He was just absolutely amazing. And after four years, it was time to switch. Albrecht came to his brother and said, Okay, now it's your turn. I'm going to go to work. You go to school. But his brother, he could barely hold his hands. He said, Every bone in my hands has been broken. He couldn't hold a paintbrush anymore let alone a chisel and a hammer. And so his brother said, would you please, would you put your hands together in prayer, which signify the love that you have shown to me. And as his brother put his hands to pray, Albrecht, he sketched real quickly what this became painting, sculpture for so many years, of a love 
that had every bone broken to show love to another. So, what's it worth? Jesus commanded us, pick up your cross and follow me. What comforts, what fears, what entitlements keep us from living a life fully surrendered to the will of God our Father? What would your life look like if you took these words seriously and participated in Christ's suffering for the sake of the people around you? Lord, we ask that you give us strength and courage through the power of your Holy Spirit to value the joy of sharing in Christ's suffering above all else life has to offer. Amen. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.